Hey everybody, and welcome to the Wealth Effect Podcast, where we discuss methods, strategies, and tactics to protect and compound your wealth. I'm your host, Matt Fabian, and I'm here to help you create your own wealth effect. Hey everyone, this is Matt Fabian. Welcome to the Wealth Effect Podcast. Today we have a special update. We are talking about navigating bank failures, Fed rate hikes, and risks to the financial system. The recent failure of three U.S. banks has raised concerns over the economy and the financial system. The situation is still evolving, and there is plenty of speculation about what might come next. One recent development is that government officials from the Treasury, the Federal Reserve, and the FDIC have announced that depositors will be made whole in an effort to backstop the system and restore confidence. This crisis has already created hardship for many companies and individuals as payrolls are disrupted and access to cash is halted. However, when it comes to investing, it's more important than ever to stay level-headed and focus on the big picture. So what should long-term investors know about these bank failures and what do they reveal about the financial system? The collapse of Silicon Valley Bank was the first FDIC-insured bank failure since 2020 and the second largest in history. This was followed two days later by the failure of Signature Bank, the third largest in history. Just a few weeks earlier, these two publicly traded companies had the 14th and 18th largest market caps among U.S. banks, respectively. Silvergate, a smaller bank active in the crypto industry, also failed last week, but through an orderly liquidation process. These banks and failing institutions have really weighed on the financial sector performance in the stock market. The chart posted in the show notes are the financial sector bank and regional bank indices going back to January 2019. And while they are still positive, uh, sans today's performance in the markets, Um, they have really taken a hit here in the last week. From a market and economic perspective, the main question is whether the financial system has a wider systemic risk. This episode reveals that these particular banks grew too aggressively and with too little risk management as tech valuations rose and crypto prices rallied over the past several years. While this worked well in a bull market, The reversal of these trends starting in 2022 made these banks vulnerable to a classic bank run. How do bank runs occur? A simplified description of the classic bank model is that customers, both businesses and individuals, deposit funds for safekeeping. Banks then use these deposits to make loans or to buy high-quality investment securities from which they intend to generate profits. This works well as long as these investment assets maintain or grow in value and customers trust that their deposits are safe. If either of these are not the case, a bank may not have the liquidity to meet its obligations. With this in mind, these recent failures were due to two related problems. First, rapidly rising interest rates and Fed rate hikes over the past year created financial stresses on bank balance sheets. Bonds had their worst performance in history in 2022, driving unrealized losses on investment assets 
held by banks, including U.S. Treasuries, uh, shown in the chart in the next uh, in the show notes. The banks have accumulated unrealized losses on these investment securities as rates have spiked. What you'll see in the chart is starting in Q3 of sorry Q1 of 2022 that banks started to see unrealized losses of these assets held on their balance sheet, both in the held to maturity securities as well as available for sale securities. These are accounting um, categories that banks use uh, to classify where these assets are being held on the balance sheet. As of Q4 of 2022, there were over $600 billion of unrealized losses on bank balance sheets. As the interest rates rose in the economy, the five-year treasury yield, also on this chart, showing that it got up to about 4.5% while these unrealized losses mounted on banks' balance sheets. Whether banks need to book these losses depends on how these securities are accounted for, but this worsens as banks face pressure on deposits. So with SVB and others that found themselves with assets that were worth far less as rates rose. This would be fine if the bank could hold the assets to maturity, as they would then receive the full value of the original investment in return. However, this can be problematic if the bank faces large customer deposit withdrawal requests, like in the case of SVB. Second, SVB's concentration of tech and startup customers made it vulnerable as conditions deteriorated for that sector, just as Silvergate and Signature Bank were exposed to the slowdown in the crypto industry. SVB tried to plug this gap by raising fresh capital last week, but this backfired since it highlighted the liquidity and solvency issues it faced. Like shouting fire in a crowded theater, once there are perceptions of solvency problems, a classic bank run can occur swiftly, which then can become a self-fulfilling prophecy. To a large extent, this played out publicly as many in the startup and VC communities urged companies to move their funds. This was also very apparent on social media like Twitter. While government actions are always controversial and subject to political debate, the moves by the Treasury, the Fed, and the FDIC to backstop customer deposits across these banks will likely help to prevent contagion effects across the system. At the same time, it does not directly address the underlying issue of impaired assets, which depend on the quality of risk and asset liability management at each bank. However, the risk that unrealized losses become a solvency issue is mitigated for larger, more diversified banks that are less reliant on deposits, have a diversified deposit base, maintain higher amounts of capital, and utilize interest rate hedging techniques. Further, it is worth noting that the actions taken by the authorities are a backstopping of customer deposits and not a bailout of the banks themselves. 
So far, this is substantially different than the banking bailouts in the great financial crisis. It remains the case that the equity and bondholders of these banks will face investment losses, with equity holders likely to be entirely wiped out. While it's unfortunate for investors to face losses, this is the natural course of things in a free market-based economy and highlights the importance and necessity of risk management and diversification in one's investment strategy. The next chart posted in the show notes illustrate how large these banking failures are, and they are the largest since 2008. The chart shows the number of banks that have failed every year going back to 2001, as well as the number of uh, deposits that are vulnerable or subject to that failure of those banks. Right now, the chart does not include the failure of Signature Bank, which will be updated as soon as that data flows through. However, you can see that the failed bank deposit balance is shooting up to its highest level since the 2008 financial crisis. And this is one reason why investors are concerned, especially because there's been few bank failures in recent history, especially since the Dodd-Frank Act banking legislation that was implemented after the 2008 financial crisis. According to the FDIC, there were only eight bank failures between 2019 and 2022, far below the 322 experienced around the global financial crisis or the hundreds that regularly occurred in the 80s and 90s. That said, SVB is an outlier in that it had total deposits of $175 billion, while the eight from 2019 to 2022 had a combined only $628 million. Naturally, parallels are being drawn to 2008, when the last wave of bank failures threatened the global financial system. It's essential to keep in mind that back then, the problem was not just that all banks held significant amounts of mortgage-backed securities and other housing-sensitive assets that ended up being worth only pennies on the dollar. Rather, significant amounts of leverage coupled with new financial instruments such as collateralized debt obligations allowed a housing crisis to turn into a financial meltdown. While it's unclear exactly how this episode will play out, many banks today are much better capitalized and do not primarily rely on concentrated customer deposit bases. Additionally, any economic spillover has so far been concentrated in uh, technology and venture capital industries, which is indicative of the struggles uh, within that sector of the economy, not necessarily the economy as a whole. These developments may impact the Fed's upcoming rate decision since they underscore the long and variable lags of monetary policy as well as its unintended consequences. These developments could create a new sense of caution for the Fed as they continue to battle inflation. Based on market-based measures, investors no longer expect the Fed to raise rates again this year and believe there may even be a rate cut by September. Interest rates have also fallen with the 10-2-year Treasury yield declining over one percentage point to around 
1% in the last several days. Ironically, this means that the very bonds that have the unrealized losses on the bank balance sheets are now worth more, relieving stress in the financial sector. While these expectations can shift rapidly, they show how much sentiment has shifted in the past week. And with that next Fed meeting and interest rate policy decision set for next week, we will soon find out if market expectations of future monetary policy are correct. So what's the bottom line? While recent bank failures are problematic, parallels to 2008 are premature from a market perspective and inaccurate from a policy perspective. There will likely be more developments to come in the next several days, which highlights the importance of focusing on the big picture rather than the minute-by-minute speculation. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Wealth Effect Podcast. Hope you're all doing well out there, and happy wealth generation. Investment advisory services are offered through Fabian Wealth Management, a registered investment advisor authorized to do business in states where registered or otherwise exempt from registration. Nothing discussed during the show should be viewed as investment advice. Everything discussed is generic, non-specific, non-tailored information. If you have questions pertaining to your specific situation, please reach out to us at info at fabianwm.com or call us at 925-322-2450.